Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome here. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church. And this morning, I've got Nathan joining me. Howdy. And we're going to get the service started for you. This is one of your first times joining us here on the online service. Very special welcome to you guys. We're happy you're here. Uh, we would love to get to know you a little bit better, and you can do that by giving us a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca or by just dropping a comment it's right about here, I think. <laughs> yeah, right on the side. And uh, the best way for everybody who's joining in here to stay informed of the things going on around here, the events coming up, uh, regular devotionals, uh, posts, stuff like that, even just knowing when the next church service is coming up, what we're talking about, is follow us on Facebook or Instagram or you're not on Facebook or Instagram, are you? Hard no. Oh, you're just good old school, hard and gruff. So we got email options, at least two. We have a weekly email we send out. It's got all that same information too, which is great. And you can sign up for that at our website, cedarvalley.ca. I think it's at the very bottom of the page or there's a pop-up or whatever. We'll try to get that at you. Uh, so coming up, we have got some a uh, few points here for you. Yeah. Nominations for the elders, executive leadership team positions. Please submit those to elders at cedarvalley.ca. Totally, yeah, that's like, yeah, and it, thanks for actually grabbing them. I almost forgot that one, everyone, but that's a huge one coming up because uh, what Nathan's gonna let you know about is our annual general meeting coming up at the end. But the nominations for these positions is important because we have uh, some great people here who are serving a good amount of extra time helping us uh, make some big decisions of what we're doing here as a church, Cedar Valley, especially through this transitional time. We've been bringing some of them out here on the feed. You're gonna hear from them in the reports too. We, we need is a few positions uh, to be filled. So if you know anybody in your life uh, here, part of the church or somebody who God has put on your mind of like, this person has the skills, has the gifting, has the relationship and awareness of what's going on with the church that they could mm -hmm. serve well with our leadership teams, let us know, throw that nomination because we believe that God can put somebody in your heart. You can nominate them. We'll pray, prayerfully discern over them, talk with them and uh, bring them up to uh, be a potential position for the leadership group. So you can send those. Yeah, what'd you say it was? Uh... It is elders at cedarvalley.ca. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, next big point, big one, annual general meeting, end of February, February 28th. Uh, it's gonna be on Zoom, sign up at cedarvalley.ca. Mm. Uh, we'll be sending out the reports for it about next week or so. Yeah. Uh, we have been told that there is a bit of concern with being able to access the Zoom. Uh, rest assured, Grant and the rest of the crew here is working their very best to make sure everyone has full access to it and will be able to log on. Absolutely, yeah. We, we don't want you to miss out on something like this because you're not super tech savvy, whatever it is. But for those of you who are tech savvy, just make sure you sign up for that. Again, that's on our website, cedarvalley.ca, or it's in the newsletter, whatever, all those things. So we get a sense of who is aware of this, how to connect. We could send the Zoom registration, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but next week as well is Valentine's Day. Do you got plans? for it? Oh, I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I was going to copy, <laughs> I was going to copy whatever plan you're going to bring out here too. So I can oh. use it with, with my wife, but you're a husband. Yeah. So you got a wife. I same here too. Yeah. Uh, for all of the husbands out there, we would love to send you a gift that would help you out for something like Valentine's day coming up. It's a great gift for your marriage. Your spouse will appreciate it too. But yeah, we would love to send you this gift. So if you're a husband out there, you're joining in, let us know that you would like to take us up on this offer. You can just send Pastor Doug an email, doug at cedarvalley.ca. We will send that your way and it's hopefully gonna be a blessing to your marriage and to your household. Uh, it'd give you a whole lot of fun. But just mm -hmm. before we keep going in this service, we're gonna pray for this morning and uh, then dive into it. So join me in that. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God. 
thank you for the ability that you have to just meet us wherever we're at, whether it's in home, whether it's at a recording studio here being recorded a couple days in advance. God, you are outside of time, but you are still speaking to us and teaching us and transforming lives. So God, I just pray that this morning is a transformative message of uh, renewal, that we can learn a bit more about you, about your son, Jesus, that we can see how we can approach you and how you meet us wherever we're at. God, John chapter four, we are diving into the fact that you have a compassion and grace that we long for, that we need, but God, that is also an example that we should bring into our life. So I just pray that this morning you give us ears to hear your words, your truth, that you give us hearts to want to transform and to spread your good news and love throughout this world. So we lift all this up in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into the service uh, started shortly here with a time of singing. There will be some lyrics on the screen and our team has recorded some songs for you to, uh, to lean in at the time of worship at home. Yeah, and after that, we've got a lesson just for the kids from Pastor Doug. Uh, going to be great for kids of all ages, so stay tuned for that. Uh, following that, we've got Pastor Rob bringing us a great message through chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. We're going through the Gospel of John. We're doing one chapter a week. And we're hoping you're reading along with us and just really digging into it. Yeah, awesome. And before we get into all of that, if you're watching live, head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube and engage in this little conversation with us because here's a really fun thing. Mm -hmm. I'll share a story this week. So Nathan is one of our youth leaders. Uh, I get to run the youth group. It's a lot of fun. Right now it's on Zoom, but we're always trying to find creative ways to interact. So, so we thought, you know what, there's a lot of like viral cooking hacks out there. So we thought, hey, you know what, youth, we're gonna head into the kitchen. So Nathan and I headed into the yeah. kitchen. Send us whatever wild cooking hacks you can find and we'll do our best to uh, complete it. And out of 10, how well do, do you think we did? Uh, you know, it depends on uh, which thing we tried. Some things were- The crepes? Uh, the crepes, that's probably about a minus three. <laughs> the uh, tornado omelet? The tornado omelet, it looked really cool. It was, uh, it was like, a, uh, I'd say it's probably a good seven. Right, it burned our hands though. <laughs> it burned our hands. Most of the hair is still there. <laughs> we wrapped stuff in bacon, so that was sweet. That was a, we turned it up to 11 for the bacon. Yeah, you wrap anything in bacon, guys, and that's pretty good. <laughs> but here's a question for you. Uh, whether you've seen some of these viral cooking trends, stuff like that, or you've ever engaged in something like that, you know, maybe there was viral cooking cookbooks way back in the day before the internet too. What is one of the wildest or coolest or most creative meals or things you've ever created in the kitchen. Let us know in the comments. Send a mm -hmm. picture in there too if you can or if you want. Uh, but we're in for a great morning, Cedar Valley. We will see you later. See you later.
Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to be with you again today. And I'm sure you can probably see, but can you tell what's on the table down here in front of me? That's right, water bottles. A bunch of different ones here. And it's pretty important to have water with us wherever we go. Um, this water bottle here, I don't know if you can see it, it's in the shape of a little monkey. And each one of our grandkids have their own water bottle at our place in a shape of a different shape just for them. Then we've got a pretty cool one here. This is a Dora one. You might like that one. And I like this one. This is one that I use quite a bit when I need water. And when I worked outside in construction, this was my water bottle. At night, I would fill it way up with water, just about to the top, put it in the freezer, so it would freeze in the morning and grab, put a little bit of water on top, and I'd take this whole thing to work with me. And as it melted, as I was working during the day, I would drink it, and I would drink this whole thing. Water is really important to our bodies. We need water. And you know what? If you're in the gym or out on the field playing sports or doing any kind of activity, you should have a water bottle along with you because it's so important our bodies need water to live. Did you know that you could go without food? Now, I don't think you should try this, but you could go without food for over two months. That's right, 60 days. Can you imagine? I can't, but your body probably could. But water, you could only go maybe three days without having water in your body to still live. Super important that we need it. Now, talking about all this water here, I want to tell you a story that we find in John chapter 4. Jesus was traveling between two different towns and it said he had been walking a long time and he was kind of weary so he sat down beside a well. And he was just waiting there and a lady walked up she was coming to the well to get water as well. Now, when Jesus was walking on this earth, they didn't have taps back then like we do, and you couldn't just go, pop your water bottle, fill it up, and drink away. Um, they needed to go to a well, and there were no pumps. So there, was a, there were some sticks that were going up over top of it with ropes over it that went way, way, way down and a bucket on the end of it. And you would have to carry your water jug to the well from wherever you lived, drop the bucket way down the well. And this well where Jesus and this woman were at, it was a very, very deep well. Now, I know maybe you haven't been to the church in a while, but if you can think of our big high church building, if you could double the height of our church building, put one of our buildings right on top of the other, that's about how deep the well was they were at going down into the ground that far. And Jesus said, could you please give me a drink of water? And they started to talk a little bit about water and about life. And then Jesus said, you know what? If you asked me for a drink, I would give you living water. And it says right in John chapter 4, verse 10, he said, ask me and I will give you living water. And she goes, how can you get water? You don't even have a jar. And the well is so, so deep to get down there to bring water up. He goes, oh, the water that I have for you 
is very different than the water that you drink. If you come here and get this water and it's good fresh water, if you have a drink of this, you're just going to get thirsty again and you'll have to come back and get some more. But the water I have, it's living water, he called it. It's different than the water that you can get from this well, even though this water was really, really good water. And she really didn't understand what that meant. Living water, what does that mean? Well, then Jesus went on to say, check this out. And this is a verse that you can read and maybe you can learn at home with your mom and dad. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. We know that by the end of the day, you need to fill your water bottle up, get some more because your body needs it. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And then it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. How cool is that? You know what? I love bubbly water. And that's what else I have here. You know, I like to drink regular water, but I love bubbly water. Now this, I filled up before. It's just regular water right from the cooler here at the church. And it's good water. I like it. But do you know that I can turn this into bubbly water in a flash? Watch me. Pull this out. Put that in here. Put it like there. Watch this. I'll push it down. And again. One more time. See those bubbles? Pop it off like this. And maybe you can even hear that bubbling. Look at that. That's awesome. I love this stuff. This is called a soda stream. And if you come visit me, I'll make some for you. And then at home, we have these neat little flavor packets that just squirt in there and you can make it any flavor you want. Ah. Mmm. Good, fresh, clean, bubbly water. But you know, as cool as this is, I can turn regular water into bubbly water in just a flash. It's still not quite what Jesus was talking about. He says, the water that I give you, it's not something like this. It's not a trick. It's not something you can get out of a well. This water, this living water, it is the Holy Spirit of God that I will give you that will live inside of you. And it will direct you and, and help you make decisions and guide you and help you understand who God is and help you understand God's Word. It will change your life and it will make you joyful just like bubbles from the inside. Now, you're still going to have to go to the tap or the well or if you're hiking, maybe to the creek and drink some water for your physical body. But Jesus says, the living water, it's bubbling like a spring within you, will give you eternal life. And every day in your life here on earth, it will draw you closer to God and help you understand God and live the way God has designed you to live. How cool is that? Well, 
Thanks for listening so well to the story this morning. And we have some activity pages that your mom and dad already got an email from. There's going to be some great things you can do to help us remember when Jesus said, I will give you living water if you just ask. All right. See you next week, kids. Uh, good morning, Cedar Valley Church. We are in a lengthy series on the Gospel of John, which we've called the one and only for reasons that become very self-evident as you go through the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 4 today, so if you would uh, open your Bible app or open your Bible to John chapter 4, that's where we'll be spending our time together this morning. While you're doing that, I just wanted to give you a shout out of saying thanks for praying for and uh, dropping food off to our uh, lockdown home in Chilliwack, Jackie, me, Jessica, and Kaylee. Uh, we are all run, have run through, are currently in the throes of uh, COVID self-quarantining. Me coming out today for the first day in 10 days. So thanks for your prayers and uh, your support, your checking in, all those things. Really appreciate that. So I would just ask that you continue to pray for Jackie and Kaylee and uh, our friend Jessica, who was with us, that they would get better each and for Jessica to be protected from uh, getting sick herself. All right, so John chapter 4. Um, after spending some time in Judea with his disciples, Jesus returned to his home province of Galilee. Was it because? This is where we sort of get to imagine why. Because the text doesn't say he went because. But this is where we can sort of enter into it and wonder. Was it because the numbers of his enemies was growing as fast as his popularity was in Judea? Was Jesus fleeing probable inevitable persecution? Did he know that it simply wasn't his time yet? As he sort of says in John chapter 2, that his hour had not yet come to face that persecution. So he had some time to take a road trip, maybe? Was Jesus looking for a friendlier crowd, like, you know, on his home turf? Or is it possible, as the crowd-sourced online story of Jesus called The Chosen suggests in episode number eight, season number one, that Jesus made his way back to Galilee to meet a woman at a well. Jesus and his disciples had been traveling for quite some time when they stopped at said well, Jacob's well, actually. The disciples went into town to get some food while Jesus stayed behind at the well. And that is when Jesus met her. She was drawing water from the well when Jesus asked if she would give him a drink. 
The gravity of this scene is, is actually very hard for us to imagine. A male Jewish rabbi initiating a conversation with a female Samaritan woman of reputation. So here's a little bit of the backstory that might help us understand the cultural tension of that moment. And it's a bit tedious, so stay with me. The Samaritans were those Israelites who were left behind when the rest of Israel was deported to Babylon after the fall of the Northern Kingdom in 722 BC. The conquerors, the Assyrians, then added their own people to the mix to settle the land with people who would be loyal to Assyria and to break any Israelite identity by virtue of intermarrying. So the Jews viewed Samaritans as compromised half-bloods. If it helps you to imagine the animosity between these people groups, Think about the enmity that is developed in the Harry Potter series between the pure bloods and the mud bloods, embodied in the characters of Malfoy and Harry Potter himself. But it's like it's it's way worse than that. There was also a vicious historical, religious, political division between Jews and Samaritans. After the exile, for instance, the Samaritans blocked the Jewish restoration of Jerusalem. And in the second century of BC, the Samaritans helped the Syrians in their wars against their Jewish half-brothers. So not to be outdone by this, the Jewish high priest in 128 BC retaliated and burned down the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim. Okay, so it's bad. It's really bad. And Jesus knew all these things, and, and, and so did she, the woman at the well. So she asked Jesus, how can you, uh, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for, for a drink? Like that. Never mind that the cultural norm for a Jewish rabbi of the time would have been to never talk to any women, anytime, anywhere in public, not even his own wife. Never mind that this woman's backstory seems to suggest that she had some kind of bad history, which probably explains why she was at the well at that time of day when no one else would have been there in the heat of the day to condemn her, and why she was at the well by herself, actually, because she probably didn't have any friends. This, this scene was like popping, was sizzling with cultural tension. When the disciples returned from town with their snacks, they were amazed, they were amazed that Jesus was talking to the woman. That's verse 27. Yet the story goes on to say, no one said to her, what, what do you want? Or to Jesus, why are you talking to her? That's verse 28. Maybe the disciples were learning that Jesus always has his own reasons for doing the things he does and that those reasons are always good. I love Jesus' reply to her, by the way. If, if you knew the gift of God, I'm just going to stop right there for a second. If ever, if ever there was a man on the planet who was legitimately a gift of God to women, Jesus would be that guy. Not that guy in high school, who, who seemed to think he was. 
But Jesus is, is, is way more than God's gift to womankind. He's a gift to all humanity. And that is the point that he is about to make. If you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Verse 10, she thought, did the woman at the well, that he meant physical water. But Jesus was actually talking about something much better, a spiritual water, a life water. Which he went on to explain, actually, in verse 14, everyone who drinks from this water, the well water, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Verse 14, and also why this rendering from Katie Pancratz, which is the heart of Jesus, offering life-giving water at his source. She must be thinking, as what are you or I, actually? I gotta get me some of that kind of water. And she says so in verse 15, Sir, give me this water. And he does. He demonstrates to her who she is by telling her everything she ever did, what she says twice in verse 29 and then in verse 39. And then he flat out tells her that he is the Messiah. We, the text is right here in verses 25 and 26. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he, he'll explain everything to us. I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. Jesus came to her. He broke through all kinds of significant cultural, political, and religious barriers to talk to her. He was telling her that he wasn't there to judge her, but to invite her into believing in him. Because the time had come for anyone from anywhere who had done anything to be reconciled with God and for real connection with God, real worship of God to begin in spirit and in truth. Not just the Jews, not just in Jerusalem, not just the Samaritans, not just on Mount Gerizim. A God for all people, a Messiah to say so, even to this woman at Jacob's well, maybe especially for her. And, and she got it. Can you imagine? She had endured or maybe even instigated the breakdown of relationship after relationship. Divorce was a disgrace. And she was five husbands deep and still going. She likely thought very little of herself and assumed that others shared that opinion of her. Yet here was this Jewish man who seemed to know everything about her. But instead of treating her like everyone else did, with judgment and dismissal, and worse, he spoke to her with kindness and compassion. He treated her with dignity and humanity, and he offered her life. She, 
left her water at the well, because this was too good to be true, believing in the one who offered her living water so that she could go back to town and tell her friends about him and invite them to come to see and meet Jesus. A dear friend of ours in Ontario asked me when I talked to her about this passage, why is it, do you think, that Jesus revealed herself to her of all people? This woman of questionable character, as our friend thought about her own question, it reminded her that Jesus was, of course, born in a stable and that, her, and that he was first revealed to lowly shepherds. I said, that's a great question, Kate. I'm not sure, but if I were to guess, he sees and says, Hold on, but if I were to guess, I'd say that Jesus has a heart for the brokenhearted and humble, as if to say, I see you. He sees you too. He sees all you've done, and he can tell you all about it. He sees your broken relationships. He sees all the hurt you cause and all the hurt that's been done to you. He sees how you've been drinking well water. Jesus offers you healing and hope and purpose. Jesus offers you and me eternal life. The disciples, in the meantime, urged Jesus to eat something, to which he replied, I have food to eat that you just don't know about. He's referring here to a spiritual food, again, like he was referring to spiritual water earlier. Uh, that sustains him, a, a purpose. My food, he went on to explain that in verses 32 and 34, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And what work was that? We should ask, and the answer is to bless all the peoples of the world through the tribe of Israel, beginning with Abraham and ending with Jesus. Jesus then used a metaphor to explain this. God had been sowing his crop of forgiveness and unconditional love for thousands of years prior to Jesus coming. His field for that crop, all of humanity, or as John puts it in John 3:16, the world, the cosmos, is ready for a spiritual harvest. The fruit of Jesus' mission is represented by the woman and the Samaritans who were now coming to him. This is the work of God, and we see how it is done in the story of the woman and then the people of her town. She met Jesus. She was overwhelmed by his compassion and his kindness. He made her feel whole again. And so she invited others to meet him. They came and invited Jesus to stay with them for a little while, actually. And he did for two days. Then they too believed for themselves what she already believed, that Jesus was indeed not just the Jewish Messiah, but as it says in verse 42, the Savior of the world. Which leads me to the one and only question of our morning. How do people these days, anybody from anywhere doing anything, meet Jesus? Or to put it more simply, how do we meet Jesus? And so, having the time to prepare my own thoughts on this, I have some 
observations to make, and they are these three. I think there are some clues here to the answer. First of all, Jesus meets us in our brokenness and in our humility. Why indeed would Jesus reveal himself to this woman at the well? Was it maybe because she was acutely aware of how broken her life was and how much she needed help? Is that what made her ready for him and what he would offer her? A doctor has nothing to offer us if we are in denial of our sickness. Jesus can and does offer us life, but will only ever accept his offer and, and live in it when we recognize how broken our lives are without him and how our solutions for a better life, they just don't, they just don't work. I wonder sometimes if Jesus patiently waits for us to reach out to him in our troubled circumstances as if to say, and Jesus speaking this, I'm here to help. All of this COVID stuff makes me crazy anxious and impatient. Jesus says, I'm here to help. I'm so hurt and angry by things that have happened to me. I'm here to help. I feel worthless, unlovable, maybe like the woman at the well. I'm here to help. All the things that I thought would bring me happiness, they don't. I'm here to help. I'm scared to death of dying. I'm here to help. C.S. Lewis once said in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think Mr. Lewis was onto something there. Secondly, Jesus meets us in the amazing. By this I mean that I think sometimes Jesus meets us in, in counterintuitive ways, just as he did the woman at the well. That was a completely upside down scenario, which left his disciples, as I mentioned earlier, amazed, and the woman herself, well, restored, hopeful. I wonder sometimes if Jesus has tried to meet us in ways that we might dismiss as otherwise just being way too unusual. There's this really weird story in the Old Testament about a guy and his donkey. God was trying to prevent him from doing something really stupid. So the Lord sent one of his angels to, to block him, to oppose him actually, to bump him off his path. The donkey saw the angel on the road, but the owner didn't. And this happened three times, and each time the owner beat the donkey. Then the Lord, then the Lord, this is the literal text, Numbers chapter 22, verse 28. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, so this is a donkey now saying this, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Like, seriously. What I find really funny about the story, actually, is that Balaam didn't even blink when his donkey started talking to him. There isn't a recorded moment of self-awareness like, wait a, wait a second, is that, is that donkey talking to me? Am I talking to a donkey? In the end, 
the donkey wins the argument. The Lord opens Balaam's eyes. Crisis averted. Happens all the time. Maybe you thought that God is too holy to meet you in the mundane, like at a grocery store, or in the lobby of a Holiday Inn Express, or at a water well. Or maybe you thought, that person's too young, or too old, or too stupid to have anything helpful to say to me. Or maybe you've only ever expected God to speak through those who listen to and speak to him, those who believe in him. And so you'd be surprised to have a transcendent experience of God in the international food aisle at Superstore. You'd be amazed at the wisdom of a teenager and stunned that God might reach out to you and say something you need to hear from someone who doesn't even believe in him. But I think it happens all the time because God can use donkeys to get people's attention. The last of these observations is this. Jesus meets us through the people who have met him. I would argue that I met Jesus through my parents, through their faith. Then I met him again in my 20s through a series of friendships with people who were trying to live effective Christian lives. And I continue to meet Jesus in the good things people say and do that look and sound like him. The Samaritans met Jesus through woman at the well. My co-pastor friend in Ontario used to say, we are the only Jesus some people will ever meet in their lifetime. I think there's some truth to that, actually. Some people will never go to church. Some people will never crack the Bible open. Some people will never, ever listen to the 70s Christian band Petra, and I'm with those people. The point is this. The only taste some people get of Jesus is how we represent him as Christians. Now, I know that that feels like a lot of pressure to act like Jesus, to represent him. And we don't do this well all the time. We, we just need to be honest about that, own that with ourselves and with others, and, and apologize when we should. But let's think about it for a second. What did Jesus do? in chapter 4 that provoked that woman's faith in him. He was kind. He was compassionate. He listened well. He affirmed what was true. He asked good questions. He treated her with dignity. And he offered her life. Can we not do these things? Let's pray. May we meet you, Jesus, and reach out to you when we are broken and humble. May we meet you, Jesus, in unexpected places and through unusual voices. May we meet you, Jesus, as we spend time with others who love you and act like you. And maybe, may we be these kinds of people to others, humble, unexpectedly gracious, and, and Christ-like in the things we think and say and do. 
In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Thanks for uh, checking us out online this weekend, Cedar Valley. In a moment, like that, we're going to come back with some questions that will continue the conversation. So stay right there. Hey, thank you everybody for joining us this morning. Uh, it's been a great morning through and through. We've had worship, prayer, time for kids. We had a great yeah. message from Pastor Rob. Thank you. And yeah. going through John, which, yeah, you, you talked about it. it's the one and only. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we haven't made it like this big branded thing because it kind of speaks for itself. Like yeah. every single time we're seeing that, like uh, the Gospel of John paints Jesus as he's not just a teacher because there's plenty of good teachers in the Bible. He's not even just a prophet because the Old Testament yeah. has tons of prophets. He's literally beyond everything else that we yeah. see. And yeah, he's singular. Yeah. And, and it completely redefines the idea. I mean, it's, it's that I am statement, which we're mm. going to be di getting through this whole book mm -hmm. as well, but personified mm -hmm. and relatable. Yep. So we want to make this conversation continue. Yep. Uh, so it's not just a thing that you heard and you watch and maybe you took some notes, but we actually want this something that you like wrestle with and that you apply and you figure out how it is going to affect like the next 10 minutes of your life in the next two days and week and month. Yeah, put some shoe leather to the teaching. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, what do you got for us? So the first question, there's two, um, is as you see it, who have been the people in your life who helped you, you know, shape your faith? Uh, or help you meet Jesus in the first place, or help you meet Jesus even these days, right? And hmm. I, I know it's a question here, how could you thank them? But I, I would actually encourage you to think about this seriously hmm. and then and reach out to those people and say, hey, thanks, you were really formative hmm. in uh, my faith years. And that's particularly true in our 20s, actually. You know, hmm. we grew up, some of us do in the church, and it's hard to distinguish what's mom's faith, what's dad's faith, sure. what's mine. And, and then we meet people and it changes. and. Those people become pretty important. Do you, can you think of people in your life where that's been true? Yeah, well, and, and it's... I, I, you want to a shout out to them this morning? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but that, that would be a huge one. Absolutely. I mean, they instilled this <clears throat> sense of... Uh, it, as a life skill, this sense of discipline or commitment that like, don't just let, you know, don't just take whatever is the flashiest, newest thing or whatever, like commit to something because the value of it is so much greater after. And so that was faith for me is that, you know what, there's going to be times that make no sense and just straight up suck about being religious, right? About this faith, you're going to have doubts and questions, but instead diving through it and understanding and grappling more and having a long uh, standing faith that has huge fruits after then. So that, that was like the base foundation I got to build it off of. And then I can think specifically of uh, a worship leader at the church I grew mm -hmm. up in when I was really diving into music, instilled in me this uh, way of bringing your passions and making it a piece of worship in your mm -hmm. life or a, and not just music even, but whatever it is, like taking what you can do, using that? it for God. His name was Steve Hook. Steve Hook. Yeah. And I'm Shout best out. friends with his son still too. And best friends yeah. with his son. Yeah, so th those are great ones um, <laughs> yeah. that I would say. And I, I like this idea, like how could you thank them? Because I haven't thought of that much. And mm -hmm. a big one is taking, intentionally thinking of those stories. You know, I'm somebody who's grown up in that household and had lots of different levels of developing faith, but uh, taking what impacted me massively and just also almost makes it easier. Like the idea of evangelism or disciple making, like I just recreate the stuff that impacted me is probably good enough for somebody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the way we thank people who help shape our faith life is to continue to commit to it, mm. like you had said earlier. And right. Keely helped me understand this a little bit, actually, this week, my daughter, Keely. And it was, there's, there's a power in, in commitment and, and a discipline around obedience. Yeah. And, and that I think is a little lost these days because we yeah. 
we 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 walk away from everything's pretty instant. Oh yeah. We, uh, so um, it, it's sort of like an athlete. If you stay at working out, if you stay at practices, even though you might not feel like going, or who wants to work out again? Who wants to do line? If you stay at those things, who who wants to do 200 free throws? You're going to get better at it. Yeah. And, and your your commitment to it, your obedience to the regimen, the discipline of, produces something that in the end is much better, much deeper, much thicker, much more resilient yeah. than it would be otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. My shout out would be to Pastor Doug Irwin in Ontario. I came back to my faith in my 20s, mm -hmm. as I sort of described, and uh, he was pretty foundational as the youth pastor at Calvary Baptist Church Guelph at the time in mm -hmm. my discipleship. So mm -hmm. Doug, wherever you are, well done. I've lost track of him, so. <laughs> Awesome. Second question, let's go to that, uh, is this then. Hmm. On the flip side of that, so and yeah, yeah. apart from receiving, uh, what do we find most difficult about helping others meet Jesus? So is it that we don't feel like we have enough information or that it's super awkward to talk about faith perhaps, or uh, maybe, maybe your relationship with Jesus is kind of meh. Right. And we don't tend to talk very enthusiastically about things that we are sort of meh about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, any thoughts? Yeah, dozens, but I, I, I'm actually going to just pull off of the word you said there of enthusiasm. I think a huge barrier for us, a lot of a lot of what you see, like when you see somebody who is out like planning churches, writing books, disciple making, like, and you just think they're a superstar celebrity, the key thing for them is they're super excited about mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think it's really hard for, uh, if you've had a faith that has been very uh, just religious in the sense that it's a thing you do yeah. and it's a practice that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. but you're it's not good. excited about it. Yeah. it. It's a huge barrier because, I mean, frankly, and that's the thing that I've gone through different waves of almost struggling with too. Like, yeah, it makes sense and I could write a thing about it and that's fine, but it's not until you're excited about it that you actually have, uh, you can overcome stuff like insecurity of like, well, what are they going to think? You know, if, if there's like a movie that I love about uh, or just absolutely am all over, I don't care what somebody else thinks because I'm going to either convince right. them or they're wrong. <laughs> right? And I, sometimes this Might is my... Might be a third space there. Maybe. Convince sure. them or they're wrong. Yeah. Or... Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but that's the attitude we need with this, right? Like yeah. I, I'd say the biggest thing we're struggling with right now, 2020, 2021 now, is we're passionate about some of our opinions mm -hmm. about yep. whatever yeah. it is, vaccines yeah. or politics yeah. or who goes where. And... Yep. And we don't have that same kind of passion sometimes for Jesus yeah. in our lives. And if we had that, it would that? be massive. We, we should ask that, eh? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Whew. I know what it is for me. Yeah, I'm just being honest here. Um, I, I, I like people to like me. Mm. I got, I, in, because in, faith, politics, they're really touchy subjects, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm afraid in talking about my faith sometimes that they won't like me as a result or they'll reject me. Sure. That's just flat out the way it is. But what I would suggest is, just by virtue of my experience, that isn't, that isn't actually true. Hmm. And I think it's because I'm trying to listen before I speak. I'm trying to say things that are relevant to the conversation then, that come out of my faith life. And I'm monitoring my own energy around my relationship with Jesus, and I'm doing the disciplined things because I, I do adore him. Yeah. And I, I hope, hope it isn't this forced thing, but it's sort of a, it's a byproduct of, sure. of who I am in my relationship with, with Jesus. So 
Yeah. That'd be mine. So, um, yeah, would you have any encouragement for us then on this? And then we'll we'll shut it down because we don't want to go too long here. Yeah, absolutely. I you know I think a big one is. Uh, Taking a real look at your previous question, they go hand in hand really well. The stuff that the people who influenced you mm. and helped you meet Jesus, and it's testimony, right? Seeing mm -hmm. like yep. the impact that's had in your life, yeah. what might have been really easy for them, or maybe it was a huge feat they did. Like maybe it was somebody who poured in day and night into uh, being a witness to yeah. you. But seeing that kind of effort and seeing the benefit of that and making that influence overcoming these. Because, you know, I think we'll be able to list out and, and maybe if you're able to stick around in the comment section for a little bit after this, there'll be some time and throw out some of your own thoughts. Like what are difficulties, mm -hmm. right? And almost yeah. just get that yeah. out there yeah. so that we can see that one, we're in a common ground, yeah. right? Yes. We've yes. all got these. It's not just me who's insecure about yep. this. And it's yes. not just me who doesn't know enough of the data and the facts. Mm -hmm. Get that out so we can actually start saying like, uh, you know, it's going to actually be about the love and the excitement mm -hmm. uh, and about and the, the life change that we we've experienced yeah that we want to bring that yes. further. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. So yeah, continue this in the thread uh, with some friends. Zoom your uh, small group or mm -hmm. your family or whatever it is. Skype, phone call. But uh, just make this something that doesn't stop here when this service ends. Keep it going through the week. So thanks for joining us this morning, Cedar Valley. Thanks, Cedar Valley. See you next week.